This is Ozarks at Large. The 2022 season at Theater Squared in downtown Fayetteville opens tomorrow night with Katori Hall's The Mountaintop. The play imagines a conversation between Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and a visitor in Dr. King's Lorraine Motel room the night before he was murdered. On yesterday's program, we heard from one of the two actors in the production, Clinton Lowe, who plays Dr. King, and from the director, Vicki Washington, about preparing for the production. We hear from them again today in just a few minutes, but also Anisia J. Hicks, who plays Dr. King's visitor. We'll hear each of the creators, in their own words, explain the work leading to tomorrow night's opening. Beginning with Anisia J. Hicks, she says she feels great responsibility in bringing her character and this play to the T2 stage. What I recognize personally in this show, my special task was to research, not have as much research about him as much as I needed to have research about the time and about women and about all that stuff. So that was more my responsibility because I realized very early, if I spend all my time just getting all this information about him, then I'm just going to be, that's Clinton's job. That. I, like, there's a reason why there's a fully realized female in the room. I need to figure out what that is. But one of my favorite things I did appreciate about seeing some of the research that was brought into the rehearsal space, uh, to uh, Ms. Vicky's point, was all of a sudden in the, in the videos that I watched, I saw this man. I saw this scared little boy in that man. I saw him up against differing opinions within our community. And what does that mean? And what that is right now to what Ms. Vicky's said. We always have the danger of the one story. And for every fight that we are embroiled in, civil rights, uh, gender equality, all the different things, we never like to, we never like to look within the group and go, great, this is all great. What else? Why are we arguing amongst ourselves? What's actually happening? Because when we tell this, the, the story of MLK in those little snapshots, we also do damage to ourselves as a community to think, oh, we all thought like that at a time. No, we didn't. And you're you, if you think opposite or you go, I buy it. However, all of a sudden you are um, a sellout. All of a sudden you are not truly black because, oh, you you over here uh, just throwing uh, MLK under the bus. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm seeing all these things and I can look at his philosophy and understand where it came from and go, yeah, like I hear you. I absolutely hear you. And there's parts of it I do agree with. However, this right. Same thing with Malcolm X. There could be things that I go, OK, I'm with you. However, this and what I loved was seeing the reality of the multi layers that were at the time. It was not a pretty time. And, 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 and what does that do to a person? I was so struck by his humanity because like Clinton said, like Ms. Vicky said, we have really frozen him in time. He said, I have a dream. We've made him godlike mm -hmm. and put him completely far away from us. 
taken away his humanity. And then you go, oh, he must've been perfect. So then here I am in the room about to engage in this play. And it's the first time that I'm seeing this man. And my eyes went wide, seeing him be scared, seeing his movements, his body, the way he would do this thing with his lips, the way he would hold himself, fix himself. It was, it was like, oh my God, he lived. He lived. And what, and just for me as a as a as a black person, aside from all the research for the show, I found myself humbled in seeing his fear and also knowing it just it's okay to be scared, even when you take on all this stuff, even in the work that I'm I may not have taken on that mantle, Clinton, Ms. Vicky, but all three of us are in this room doing that same work on a smaller scale. There is fear to walk out and put your whole heart out there to an audience that may not look like you, but I'm still talking to you or an audience that does look like you, but they want to, well, you can't do that to MLK. Why not? Why can't we have a conversation? And so I like that I got to see him as a man and that I will, I will always hold that and understand his flaws and go, okay, okay, what is it to rebuild um, a picture of someone? It's kind of like when you find out a truth about a family member that you held in high regard, and then all of a sudden you learn some things about them when you become an adult, and your picture, there's dissonance, and you got to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, how does this fit, and this fit, and this fit, and this fit, and taking the time, personally for me, outside of Kame, in the show, being in the room, it's me, it's been me deconstructing my idea and adding pieces of the puzzle that I didn't know was missing and zooming out and also putting other parts in and going, okay, I have a better understanding of the picture. Um, and my naivete has gone down a little bit. I don't know if it's ironic, but I will say that it's interesting that we're telling an imaginary story about this man, this male icon. Figure and my collaborators were all self-identifying female, and except for so it's two black women, three black women, excuse me, a Latinx woman, and I, and another woman of color who I believe is of Asian and Jewish descent, and to be the only male in the room forging this story in the fire of our creativity. Um, was it was a gift and a joy because I believe the male gaze and the white supremacist gaze has been so strong in the your word, Miss Vicky, the fossilizing of King, right? Miss Vicky once said that we have fossilized King as 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 has been repeated through this conversation. But I think that has a lot to do with capitalism and as King would say, militarism. Um and patriarchy and, and white supremacy. Like I think he was co-opted in many ways. But King, at the time of his death, as we saw through our research in one of the documentaries, had a very, very low approval rating throughout the country. And Hoover had a much higher approval rating. Now we think of it the other way around. But at the time, Hoover was kind of, he was more in line with mainstream thought than we would like to. So, and King, I don't know if he saw who he was, right? To some of Anissa's points, 
and Miss Vicky's. I don't know if King, the example I'm thinking of in one of the documentaries, uh, uh, one of his, I think his lawyer at the time, one of his lawyers was like, hey, I think the FBI is tapping our phones. And King's response is something of the nature in that, why would the FBI, like, the FBI has better things to do than to listen to our conversations. Why would they do that? And also, like, why would, why would people want to hurt us for trying to fight for rights? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So almost a naivete, right? And why would, why would anybody, why would people be against fighting for rights? Why would people be against achieving the American dream? Why would people be against peace and love? I don't, I don't understand, right? That's something that I've seen dramatically throughout his time as a civil rights leader is this, this misunderstanding, this lack of understanding of, of the hatred at play and the blockades and the forces against what he was trying to push. And then at the end, you kind of see the realization, right? He doesn't talk about Vietnam for 18 months. Then he comes out, he talks about it, shuts it down. Then he comes back out about Vietnam. And the backlash, the backlash. And the last thing I'll say is to connect it to now is he said that Vietnam would be, in, this, in the play I say, this war would be our own violent undoing, freedom suicide. And I look at Vietnam and I look at my community. I grew up in, in New York City, grew up in the Bronx. And I look at the Bronx, Harlem, Brooklyn, South Central, South Side of Chicago, Memphis. I look at D.C. I look at all these places that experience extreme urban decay in the 70s, in the 80s, through the 90s. And I look at the connection to the Vietnam War. The connection to soldiers coming back with PTSD, mental health issues, addicted to opioids, right? Coming back into the community, now they're dealing with heroin and then cocaine and then crack. Like, that's all connected. He prophesied that this war would destroy our communities and therefore the country. He prophesied that and people, I believe, killed him for it. Whoever killed him. They killed him once he started talking about economics and militarism. That's when he was destroyed. Not when he was saying, let's all hold hands and love each other. So to Miss Vicky's point, that 1963 King, uh, there's a good five years of evolution post I Have a Dream that we have the pleasure of getting to explore. I would just uh, echo all that has that both Anissa and, and Clinton have said. I think it is it is worth noting that here we are in 2022 and it didn't start in 2022, but there are uh, many um, groups of people who use Dr. King's words for their to reinforce their um, <laughs> their politics, their uh, philosophies, which are totally uh, which are totally opposite what Dr. King, the reason that he said the things he did and the way in which he lived his life. To Anissa's point of everybody not being uh, welcoming King when he was even at the height of, of the time that most of America claimed they were welcoming. When he came to Dallas, Texas, where I was born and raised, uh, no, the church, nobody wanted him. The black churches didn't want to hear him. They did when, when he when he died and people were naming streets MLK Boulevard in Chicago. There was a very large church that changed where its front entrance was, bricked up one side so that the entrance would not be on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and that wouldn't be their address. Uh, I would would say uh, Taylor Branch's um, books, Parting the Waters and God, I can't think of the second one, but his books, Taylor Branch, the historian, his books 
and his uh, uh, chronicling of the civil rights, the modern day civil rights movement are really great books to look at. The civil rights movement veterans page, their website, which was created by a lot of SNCC folk, but it has a whole lot of SCLC history in it. There's so much history there for people who really want to know a, a, a more all encompassing truth uh, that, that is there. And I think that in terms of the thing, one thing I really wanted to make sure that we that I said was all of what we have mentioned is uh, uh, talked about is very important. And what is also important is that this piece, The Mountaintop by Katori Hall, as performed by Clinton Lowe and Anissa Hicks for Theater Square, is a piece not to miss for a lot of reasons. It's entertaining, very. It's funny. It's um, it's uh, uh, enlightening. It's educating. It's empowering. It's uh, you know, it's great for all of those reasons. And also theatrically, uh, because it is a theater piece, it's kick ass. Vicki Washington is the director of The Mountaintop by Pulitzer Prize winner Katori Hall. It opens tomorrow night at Theater Squared. We also heard the voices of the actors in the play, Anisha J. Hicks and Clinton Lowe. The excerpts are from a conversation we had Friday morning via Zoom. You can learn more about The Mountaintop at Theater Squared at theater2.org.